Hello and welcome to the Zetamar podcast for this week, uh, ending the 20th of March 2022. I'm Tom Bowker, the editor of Zetamar News. I'm joined uh, for this interview by Fernando Lima, the chairman of MediaCoop, uh, which publishes Savannah and MediaFax. And we're going to be discussing a couple of the issues which have arisen in Mozambique over the last week or so. Yesterday, we got um, an announcement of uh, fuel prices rising, which I think is going to have big knock-on effects uh, in the economy and perhaps politically. That's been blamed on the war in Ukraine, which is having other other effects for Mozambique's outlook, including on the economic and on the diplomatic fronts. Um, and then some domestic political developments as well around uh, particularly what's going on inside Frulimo. So, Fernando, maybe let's start with the most recent news, which came out yesterday, late afternoon, was an announcement of fuel price rises, which take effect today. How do you expect this to um, to be taken by the population at large? Do you think they'll understand the inevitability of this, or is there going to be anger at the, the price rises? Well, I guess uh, the understanding uh, is there. Ukraine, Ukraine war have been uh, uh, quite publicized by the Mozambican media and all the economic consequences have been also uh, explained to the uh, to the to the people so uh, having Mozambique being a, a country that have been eaten by those consequences is not not a surprise however the day before uh, the government announced a number of technical decisions in order to ease the price of uh, fuel, meaning uh, they were trying to deal with uh, the whole different aspects on taxes imposed in fuel prices for the consumer. And people were expecting that this will be uh, enough. Uh, it was not enough. It is important to mention that Mozambique has at this point an IMF delegation in the country dealing with the next uh, uh, package, economic package to Mozambique. And we know that IMF is completely against subsidies on uh, on fuel prices. So I think this combination of events led to an increase of about uh, 14% in all the different products. Ironically, this happened the day when in, uh, in Europe and in, in uh, markets, uh, fuel prices went down back to the two-digit price per crude barrel. Yeah, it's, it's, the government was kind of threading a needle here, and I think they they probably did quite well, didn't they? In terms of how they they timed these announcements, they announced what the government was going to do in terms of sharing the pain by by reducing their taxes on fuels. No actual um, subsidy, I suppose, but it comes to the same thing. And then at the later in the day, announced that there's also going to be also going to be some pain for consumers as well, with as you say, sharp increases between ten and and sixteen percent, I think, on on different different fuels and uh thanks for mentioning the imf visit as well of course that's um an awkward time to be messing with uh, fuel subsidies which have been a um a point of contention with the imf in the past what do, what do you what do you think about the the outlook for fuel prices i mean globally you're saying they they're dropping back in europe yesterday do you, do you know what's behind that well mozambique has uh, uh internal formula 
in terms of uh, price increase. Uh, they do not do increases or uh, going down in prices immediately as it happens in most of European uh, countries, but it's uh, a formula that is calculated along at least uh, uh, 60, 90 days. So uh, it needs to be uh, seen if this decrease in prices uh, in the international markets is consistent. And then I'm sure that Mozambique will uh, uh, touch again or review the prices. But in any circumstance, what uh, Mozambique tried to do was to avoid a big, big invoice with oil, uh, local oil suppliers, which were already subsidizing to the government the uh, internal fuel prices. And if you uh, remember uh, that few years ago, the government took around two years to return back all the heavy, heavy load on uh, debt accumulated with uh, fuel suppliers, which were kind of paying for the government to maintain a certain, uh, a certain price. Of course, having direct uh, impact on uh, consumers, I'm sure that the government will add a number of uh, Cushion, uh, cushion measures in order to avoid social unrest. And I'm immediately thinking about uh, the price of bread and the price of uh, transportation. So I'm pretty sure that a number of emergency uh, measures will be taken in the next couple of days. Yeah, and I think bread prices are particularly worrying, aren't they? Because Ukraine is, is a big um, exporter of wheat, as is Russia. And so if there's a global blockade or, or big supply problems coming from there, then there are potentially big issues for global wheat prices. Yes, and the, and the drought in Argentina, because uh, some wheat from Mozambique comes from uh, Argentina, but uh, Argentina have been eaten by a long, uh, uh, a long drought. Uh, what we have seen in the market is the reduction on the weight of uh, uh, the, the bread loaves. Uh, these days, a Mozambican pay the same price, but gets a much, much smaller bread loaf. And this was the strategy that um, bread producers found in order to address the issue of being prevented to increase the, the bread price, which uh, is a kind of compromise with the government since I've not seen all uh, economic inspectors coming heavy on uh, uh, bread producers in terms of the, the weight on uh, uh, bread loaves these days. And I suppose a, a similar thing happens in the public transport sector with chauffeur drivers providing a, a worse and worse service for the, for the same price when they're not allowed to raise prices. Quality of the vehicles gets worse. They cram more people in. Probably. Probably. Yeah. it's. Um, I forget the technical term for this kind of inflation, but yeah, when the, the chocolate bar gets smaller and smaller or the, the loaf of bread gets smaller and smaller, although the price stays the same. It's, um, it's inflation. There's no other word for it, I guess. 
Um, but the, the other side of the coin, potentially with um, uh, global energy prices rising, is that Mozambique is a fuel exporter and is hoping to become a, a major fuel exporter. And I think these developments are causing some excitement around the question of viability of the big LNG projects and, I suppose, a new round of exploration, which is, which is coming up. Well, uh, this is the, the big picture, but it's not uh, something that it's around the corner. As you know, there are uh, security issues on the two big projects in uh, Cap Delgado. So uh, this is not something that can be uh, changed uh, overnight. And so, uh, yes, the, there is a, a, a very good prospect in terms of uh, raising issues in terms of environment related to uh, to gas even uh, coal it seems that they they got a renewed chance for the next uh, coming years still unfortunately the two big projects uh, in Cap Delgado for the gas are not uh, are not something that will happen uh, very soon, and yes, the security issue needs to be overcome. And you, as you know, there is not yet a clear perspective how the security situation will be solved, despite it's also quite clear that there are improvements in the security situation. Yeah. And the, the last um, the last time that Total Energy's CEO was in the country, he made some quite strong statements about the level of security he wants to see in Cabo Delgado. But it was also slightly vague, and I think there's probably some room for interpretation if they want to dial back their requirements there um, in terms of what geographical area needs to be secured. The Total country head was in Masimba de Praia last weekend with the Cabo Delgado provincial governor apparently looking at how close things are there to be able to be getting back up and running. And the, the key districts of Palma and Masimba de Praia are broadly at peace, you know, with with um, random troops um, keeping the peace up there and, and patrolling, and but also pushing out the insurgency to other districts such as Makomia and Nangard, which, as we've written in the Caballigado weekly report this week, are being particularly badly hit. So I suppose the question in terms of the Mozambique LNG project is what level of security does, is Total Energy is going to require in districts such as Nangad and Nakamia, which are on the periphery of its um, of the districts that, where it's actually working. Yes, uh, you are raising a, a very very interesting uh, question. Meaning uh, the pressure that you are uh, feeling in Europe and the uh, whole issue of gas being provided by. Russia and uh, Europe uh, squeezing on uh, um, alternatives to Russian uh, gas. It could eventually turn around the definition of priorities in terms of security in Cap Delgado. And again, the enclave uh, strategy could be on the table, despite what counts at this point are, in fact, as you mentioned, the premises uh, raised by uh, Patrick Puyane in the last visit to Mozambique, Patrick Puyane being uh, the tonal, total 
energies uh, PDG, meaning uh, we don't want security around projects. We want a stabilized security in all uh, Cabo Delgado provinces, which is not what happened uh, now. And as you mentioned, there are uh, security concerns in districts such as Nangad and Makumia. Yeah. Let's move on to um, the other topics we've promised to discuss this morning as well. Um, the diplomatic questions that Mozambique is facing over um, how it approaches what's going on in Ukraine. I mean, it, to anyone looking with open eyes, it, it's a war, it's an invasion by Russia, even though the, the Russians are denying that. And I noticed that the Russian ambassador to Mozambique is sticking to the Putin line. I heard the start of an interview with him yesterday where he explained it's not a war, it's a special operation. I mean, it's kind of sickening to hear uh, people claim that when you when you see what's actually happening in, in Ukraine. But um, Mozambique is um, officially sticking to this line of not calling it a war, not condemning Russia's actions. And they, they're they finding an ally in that position in South Africa, but they're in a minority globally at a time when Mozambique is looking for support for a temporary seat on the UN Security Council. Well, I, I think that uh, Mozambique uh, have taken this, uh, this step having in mind, or at least this was the rationale, that the Security Council seat have been uh, previously assured and that uh, the vote is consistent to what have happened uh, in the in the past, meaning uh, Mozambique votes with its uh, traditional uh, allies. And uh, I guess the statement by Veronica Makamu, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, it was very strong and it comes from someone in Frelimo political commission, meaning that this is not something you are going to discuss, that you are going to have an open discussion on that have been decided, have been decided. Of course, if uh, Mozambique gets under pressure, uh, especially in economic terms, this is something that will need to be reevaluated. But for the time, for the time being, it seems that, that there's no such discussion. And even within the Ministry of uh, Foreign Affairs, uh, a discussion have been uh, prevented. And uh, basically, uh, ambassadors follow orders. That's it. And what is the benefit for Mozambique for um, supporting or at least not condemning Russia? I mean, is it is it just um, long-standing friendship and, and leanings towards the Russian side, or is this is there realpolitik in the present day, which means they they really don't want to anger the Russians? Well, I don't I don't think this comes out of love for Russia. Also, the benefits from uh, Russia are minor, minor benefits. Uh, the debt with Russia is uh, very low. Relations, economic relations are not significant. So basically, Mozambique took its own uh, decision in the sense that it have been like there. 
since uh, since independence, and we are not you and we are not changing. Also, in terms of the region, despite Mozambique and the other countries were on the minority side, still seven countries, all from the f- former frontline group of states, all abstained, meaning. Uh, Zimbabwe, Tanzania, Angola, Namibia, uh, all uh, all abstain, and so at least at regional level, Mozambique feels very comfortable that they vote along their, uh, I would say, comrades from the struggle. Okay, well, sticking with um, Frelimo, let's uh, look at internal politics. Um, there was a statement this week from Philippe Paundi saying that we shouldn't expect um, the new the next presidential candidate to be nominated by Furimo at its Congress in September this year. I think the base case was that we had expected that, although we were always aware that um, that might not be how it works, and that wasn't how it worked um, 10 years ago when, when Nusi was selected much closer to the, to the elections. But were you surprised, um, on balance, Fernando, that that he said this, and do you think we can necessarily take that as a guarantee that there won't be a decision this September? Well, um, I would say that this is not 100% decided in terms of format. Yes, uh, Mr. Pawand is uh, is right. Also, it's important in terms of the, the, the strategy to delay for a while the nomination for uh, 2023 since elections are only taking place in 2024 and as you know as soon as you get uh, a candidate most of uh, government activities will be paralyzed Uh, political uh, decisions will get more uh, difficult uh, to be taken even the powers the presidential powers will be uh, diminished we don't have uh, in Mozambique, the political uh, figure as uh, a lame duck president. But in practical terms, as soon as you get a candidate, yes, the president will become uh, a lame duck uh, president. So something needs to be seen in the next coming Congress in September. If all conditions will be aligned with, uh, with Newsy the current president. I will not be surprised if something happens in the Congress, including the appointment of, uh, of a candidate. If not, basically you need to uh, work out a strategy for the Congress in order to have the Congress being uh, uh, favorable to, to you, but the candidate will be then appointed in a forthcoming uh, Central Committee meeting, I would say uh, later in 2022 or early 2023. And what something that will happen at this Congress this year is a, refresh, a refreshing of the membership of the Central Committee, right? And, and it will then be the Central Committee which chooses the candidate if, it's not, if the candidate isn't chosen by Congress. How how strong do you see Nusi's position at this point to, to be able to stack the membership of the Central Committee with with people from from his side? Well, this is something that uh, 
for Limo leadership is uh, being very, very aggressive dealing with, meaning for Limo current leadership, meaning uh, people around uh, NUSI are working closely with the provinces and uh, secretaries in the province, provinces in order to bring aligned delegations to the Congress, meaning the votes in the Congress should be in a certain uh, direction, which which means favorable uh, to uh, new seats. So if uh, the provinces are aligned with you, then you get a comfortable majority in the Congress. And so then the provinces will vote according the indication they will uh, get from the head of the province. And so the first battle was to assure that every single first secretary in the province is aligned with the new seat. Right. And I suppose we can look at the, um, how successful he is in doing that at this Congress as an indication of how successful he will be in getting his candidate selected by the Central Committee next time. Yeah. Up to now, up to now, it seems that uh, the prospects look uh, very, very good. All right. Well, let's keep an eye on that. And another, um, before we go, another interesting thing that's happening uh, in sort of intra-Frolimo politics is the start of the trial of uh, Helena Taipo, the former Labour minister. Um, and this also has the potential to really cause um, ructions within Frolimo. What's the what's the political calculus for um, for bringing this bringing her to trial now rather than just sweeping this this issue under the carpet? And I suppose could you just give us a, a couple of lines summary of what this issue is about as well? Well, uh, Taipu uh, is seen politically as uh, someone aligned with the Gebuza, Gebuza camp. So, if you push the line that the former administration was all uh, involved in this kind of uh, illegal uh, activities. And so you get a number of points towards the Congress, meaning you isolate in terms of the whole uh, debate of corruption or an opposing, uh, an opposing force in the, in the Congress. However, uh, this is not just uh, 2 plus 2 equals uh, 4 opposite side can uh, react. It depends on the delegates you have in the Congress because you can get this sense of being uh, sidelined on the basis of a political campaign. Uh, not only the, the type of trial, but the hidden depths uh, trial. Up to now, it seems that uh, Newsy's camp have the situation controlled, but uh, this is not something that you can be sure 100% that everything is uh, is under control and you can feel your own uh, poison uh, over and around uh, the Congress. Right. I suppose it's um, he's doubling down on fighting with the Gabuza camp, really, isn't he? And if, if if he wins, then sure that leaves the the path clear for a friendly uh, presidential candidate next time. If but if it all goes wrong, uh, he's building up ill will, which could be uh, revenge served cold in in the next presidency. Definitely. 
Thank you very much, Fernando. Um, we'll leave that there for now for this interview. You've been listening to the Zetamar podcast with me, Tom Bowker, editor of Zetamar News. We have a daily news briefing which goes to paying subscribers as well as exclusive news on our website, www.zetamar.com. You can listen to this podcast by signing up to our newsletter on Substack. Uh, there's a link on our homepage for that. The Zetamar podcast also appears on Spotify and on Google Podcasts. Until next week, goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.